Guardian angels and patron saints, pray for us. I'd like to take a step back from the immediate content of the scripture and begin actually with something that's often taken for granted in the, in the, the Gospels. We hear the term disciples used quite often without always knowing precisely what it meant. Right? Jesus and his disciples are traveling through Galilee. Jesus is teaching his disciples and telling them the Son of Man is to be handed over. But who were they? Who were the disciples? What made you a disciple in that time? Were it, was it just the people who happened to be following him around? Literally, the word discipulus means one who follows. Was it someone who was hearing what he taught? You had, to, you had to be close enough to kind of catch his teaching. Or did it refer to those who not only heard the teaching, whether first or second hand, but also put it into practice in some way? Did that make you a disciple? Well, maybe one way to approach the question about what a disciple is, is to flip the coin over and consider what a disciple isn't. What is the opposite of a disciple? That might help us come to a better understanding. The opposite of, this, of a disciple, I would suggest, is a skeptic. A skeptic refuses to accept or assent to anything that can't be fully explained. They turn aside from whatever does not, on its face, make sense to them. So, their first reaction is, well, okay, well, why should I believe that? Or why should I do that. There's a critical disposition that immediately assumes that there's some kind of deception or some kind of falsehood involved that we need to get to the bottom of. They approach everything with suspicion, in other words. Now, to question things, to be critical, is a good thing. It's not a virtue to be gullible or naive. We have to use our minds. We have to sift through things and and come to understand more deeply. But critical thinking, as the the word is fashionably used now, it's not a a way that you can really live your life. It's not a way that you can actually build up relationships or make your way through the world. We have a word for critical thinkers, or at least critics, skeptics, who live this way when they're small. We call them brats. Why should I do my homework? Why should I practice volleyball? Why should I practice piano and clarinet? I'm happy playing video games. I'm happy texting on my phone with my friends. Why should I do any of those things? I'm going to dig in my feet and I'll do those things, but only after a very long time, and it's going to be kicking and screaming, and you're going to have to bargain with me every step of the way, right? Well, of course, parents want their kids to be happy, and they ask things of them because they want their children to know the pleasure and the satisfaction of things that are not immediately within their grasp. They want them to have the pleasure of being able to speak their language well or a foreign language. They want them to have the pleasure of being athletic or of being able to play a musical instrument and stays with them for the rest of their life. In adulthood, we call this attitude, this critical, suspicious attitude, uh, I call it the South Park Syndrome. 
You make fun of everything, but you commit to nothing. You only learn about something enough to make, to make your parody of it believable. So we have to be critical thinkers. We have to bring our knowledge of the truth into greater purification and refinement. We can't be gullible. But I do suggest that we be critical in our, in our critical thinking. We have to think critically about critical thinking. In other words, what is more dogmatic of a command than the command to question authority? Why not respond to that command by asking, well, why should I? Why should I question authority? I question the authority of those who demand I question authority. This kind of circular conversation helps us realize that even skeptics are kind of disciples in their own way. It's just that they've put their trust in skepticism and putting away from themselves all forms of possible error. Never, never believing something before it absolutely is proven to them. But the fact is, that's not how we work. We're made to be disciples. We're made to put our trust in someone. We don't become wise in this life by subjecting everything to the litmus test of our own limited and fallible judgment. No, we learn and we become wise by finding a worthy teacher. We find a worthy teacher and we put into practice what they teach us. We can't avoid entrusting ourselves to someone or to something in this life. The question is not whether or not to be a disciple, the question is of whom we will be a disciple. So, put yourself in the position of the disciples in today's gospel. They were given a very strange teaching in response to their, to their squabbling over their own greatness. It's obviously something that's ingrained itself on their memories. They wouldn't have found its way into the gospel if it hadn't been handed down for many, many years. He tells them, if you want to be the first, you must become the least. And you must, you must become the servant of all. It would be very easy to look at that teaching and say, uh, you know, I can see that to a point. I can see being generous and being a servant to, to people who didn't take advantage of you. People who appreciated you. People who might understand what it is that you're doing as you sacrifice for them. But everyone, I don't know, that sounds like a, that sounds like a, a too, too hard of a rule to, to follow. I don't want to serve, I can't serve everyone. I, I simply, I just don't have enough capacity to do that. That's the answer of a, that's the answer of a skeptic. <clears throat> this doesn't make sense to me, so I'm not going to pick it up and, and consider it. The disciples took it to heart. They put it into practice. They discussed it among themselves. How do we do this? What does this look like, actually? Have you tried it? How, what changed for you when, you when you tried it? Did anything change for you? Did, did, did things get better? At what point did you hit your kind of breaking point? They were passionate enough in their discipleship that others found it contagious, and they became disciples along with them. Even though they didn't understand, they trusted Jesus enough to live by his teaching and to come to understand it from the inside by practicing it. That, I believe, is what marks the life of a disciple. 
Not someone who understands and then practices, but someone who practices based on trust and then understands. Even when it's hard. Even when it doesn't make sense. What awaits us if we make this choice to follow is something far greater than learning how to play volleyball or the piano or how to speak German. What awaits us is the divine life, the happiness and the love for which we were made. It's not, it's not a trivial thing, that uh, one more little arrow in our quiver that we can have to live out our life, but the whole substance and meaning of our life is what awaits us. And the word of God, mediated to us by the church and her sacraments, is like someone coaching us. Practice. You don't understand now, but it will become clear with time from the inside. In the end, either we're a community of disciples or we're nothing. Sometimes people ask me, you know, Father, I come to Mass each week. I receive communion. I try to live a good life. What more is being asked of me? Isn't that, isn't that what I'm supposed to do? Isn't that enough? Well, not necessarily. I think what the Gospel is presenting to us is that until that I make really the central object of my life to live by the practice and the teaching of my Master, I can't call myself a disciple. No matter how poorly I approximate it, if that's not what I'm striving for, if that's not my goal, what sense does it, does it make to call myself a disciple? I, I'm more or less taking what makes sense to me and leaving the rest aside. I eat the chicken, I spit out the bones. That's not discipleship. That's not even a good picnic. There's plenty of people who have been raised Catholic and have never come to experience discipleship, what, I'm, what we're talking about here. They've never experienced it until they left the Catholic Church and found it somewhere else. You know people like that. You're probably related to some people like that. This can't be a, an optional accessory for us to make a real commitment to ask myself, have I put the Lord at the center of my life? Have I responded with a, with a full yes to that invitation? To live his call? To put my trust in his teaching rather than my own judgment? This isn't just bonus for people who are particularly pious or devout. It's the meaning of every human life. I also point out to you that none of the disciples in this gospel were born into it. None of them. They all had to make the choice as adults in full possession of their faculties. So too, even those of us who were born into it still have to make that choice for ourselves, even though our godparents and our parents first made it for us. We still have to make that choice daily, even after we've made it for the first time or for the hundredth time. Either we are a community of disciples or we're nothing. And just like the disciples, we begin by having the humility to listen and to learn. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.